Hey guys, uh, repeat episode with the great Ron Mars um, was graceful enough to come back and talk Dread Gods with me again after giving me a chance to be able to read it and see what's going on with that story going forward and some of the other books that Ominous is working on. Uh, we also start the episode with some great just regular old dad talk and uh, end it talking about the fun of fishing for trolls. So uh, enjoy guys, quick episode, real fun to do. It's good to hear you again. You too? How's things? Things are great. Uh, school started back for the little one, so like the routine kind of has resumed. <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah, see, I grew up in Massachusetts, and we, like we didn't go back to school till I think the week after Labor Day. But down here in Atlanta, like she was back to school Monday, like the third or something like that. Um, that's uh, I, we lived in Florida for a while, and I I remember that. You know, the kids going in, you know, like early to mid-August and just feeling like, this is, you know, this ain't right. What the hell is this? It's right. It feels wrong. <laughs> but you're like, eh, see ya. But, no, other, I mean, other than that, um, you know, reading books and booking guests and just enjoying life. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, I got about, I got, you know, a little less than an hour because I got to go pick up my daughter at her uh, ice cream stand job. Alrighty, um, uh, and I guess she'd probably like to come home, and I and I would like to pick her up since she's got probably uh, ice cream to bring home. See, your daughter and my daughter need to open up a portal where they can instantly transport stuff to each other, because <laughs> my daughter is actually working until ten o'clock herself at her job as a chocolatier. So, oh, that's, it's it's funny you should mention that. My uh, our oldest. Just started uh, being the manager at our friend's chocolate shop. Nice. Yeah, she works at a uh, Peterbrook uh, chocolatier. I don't, I don't even. Is, is that is that a chain? I guess uh, maybe for this region because they're headquartered out of Jacksonville. So oh, I don't okay. remember seeing them up north either when I was a kid. So, but they make some good stuff, and she gets to bring stuff home, and it's like. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't sound overly familiar, but yeah, I mean our. Uh, this is a chocolate shop that our friends own. Oh wow! Uh, they've well, they've got they've got one main one, uh, and they you know they they make it hand dip it themselves and all that stuff. Um, yeah, that's what she does. It's like super cool. But it's uh, you know, but he's so they they have two satellite stores as well, and they asked him if he wanted to manage the you know the the one in uh, New Paltz. I don't know if you know where that is, just south of Kingston. And um, okay. And so he's been doing it a couple of weeks, and so far so good. Nice. Well, congratulations to him. Like that's awesome. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good gig. He still got a he still got a semester left in school, but we figured, all right, well, let's let's deal with this and see how that goes, and then he can go. You know, he can go back in the in the spring. Exactly. Juggle everything. Right. Exactly. But I mean, you know, nothing beats real world experience, and that that's good. Uh, that's good responsibility right there. For, for later yeah, in I life. think it's I think it's I think it's good for him and uh, and I know it's good for us because he brings home chocolates on the weekend. Exactly, exactly. I I thought I'd get sick of like um, hand dipped Oreos and pretzels and this and that and no, I'm I'm not. I'm strangely okay with it on a regular <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, I got to read uh, Dread Gods. Thank you uh, for sending that so I could read it. Um, really dug it. Um, you know, and, and I'm not just saying that it's, it's the kind of book that's, uh, right up my alley. Um, 
I, I, I have like a bunch of questions, but I don't know how much of it you wanted to, how much of it you, you wanted to get into and like, you know, well, you know, fire, fire away. And if it's something that we don't want to reveal yet, I'll just tell you that. Okay. So, uh, looking through the perspective of, um, is it Carver? Uh-huh. Is, is this, is this, uh, like a future post-apocalyptic world looking back or is it just a current reality and this is a story you're building around a reality that you've completely invented for the, for the book? Um, a lot of it, we, um, a lot of it we sort of left, you know, we left some questions out there. Right. Uh, because we didn't, you know, we wanted part of the attraction to the book to be, um, you know, you have to come along for the ride to to see how all the puzzle pieces fit together. Um, we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to reveal everything in the first issue. Um, we wanted there to be a sense of discovery as you go, you know, as you go through the, the four issues. Um, I can say that uh, the reality that Carver's in, that sort of post-apocalyptic uh Post-apocalyptic world um, that you know has, I guess, sort of touches of of Mad Max and a lot of other um, influences in terms of, of you know kind of society having fallen apart. Um, that's real. That's that's reality. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, but yeah, it definitely had like a Book of Eli, Soylent Green kind of kind of vibe to to his reality. And, Especially with, um, you know, with the the scene where he's m- making his way through the crowd and he's everybody's running to get to these uh, like headphone jack things. I don't know if if you wanted to to speak to that. So is that see it right? So it's like is when when we see the 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 pantheon of of the gods and we see them talking and interacting, everybody seemed to plug into that. Yeah, well, is uh, that is that like uh, a go ahead? Sorry. Hopefully, you know, hopefully readers picked up that this is you know this is something that is is an everyday thing. It's almost an everyday. uh, You can consider it a broadcast, but it's really you know jacked right into your into your cerebellum. Um, So there's an attraction to um, there's an attraction to to that. It's almost like you know, it's almost like getting a daily fix. Um, so uh, we wanted to present this society as, um, you know, as people who really don't have enough, who are who are um, ultimately sort of controlled by um, by this machine they plug into uh, on a daily basis, and it keeps them happy and fairly docile. Um, you can you can draw your own conclusions as to whether we're uh, making comparisons to to anything in particular that's going on in the world right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So and and that's what I was going to ask. So is this an act? And you can always say um, I don't want to answer that yet. So for for me, a personal question was: Is it an actual reality they're plugging into, or is it almost like a virtual reality program, kind of like the Matrix, where it feels and smells and looks, but it's not really real? Or is that further down the road, and you don't want to? Um, that's uh, that's something to still be to gotcha. still be revealed. So I don't think I want to really talk about that. Um, 
but obviously there are there are a couple of different realities that we're dealing with, and we tried to uh, we we really tried to make that apparent in the first issue, even in terms of the page design and the color palette. Um, we felt like we wanted you know we wanted readers to very much uh, understand that um, these were these were two distinctly different places where these where these stories were taking place. Yeah, well, that vibe comes across pretty strong. I mean, I can see why the the, the crowds in the book would be clamoring for their space in that. I mean, if, if that was your reality and you could escape to where, you know, the arena of the gods that we get to see a little bit of in, in the first issue, um, I'm pretty sure in that reality I'd be clamoring for a jack, too. At least for at least for a little while to you know forget where I was. Yeah, well, if your you know if your reality is you know kind of this rather lousy, uh, downtrodden uh, grind every day, and you you could access um, you could access this glorious reality where you know gods you know live and love and fight at at. Uh, uh, these exaggerated levels, um, you know, it's a, it's a much better, you know, it's a much better peek into a world than you have in your own life. Um, you know, I, I assume there's some reason that people watch the Kardashians on TV. I can't figure out what exactly that is, but right. obviously a look into that life as vacuous as it might be is attractive to, to a segment of our society. Well, I mean, you and I are on social media a lot, and look how look how invested people are in that escapism. And that's you know, you, you you're not even plugging into something; you're just looking at something. And people clamor for for that and the ratings on reality TV shows. I mean, it's it's a pretty good parallel to draw. Well, I you know, I we don't want to beat anybody over the head with metaphors, but right. um, they're they're there if you you know they're there if you want to plug into them. No pun intended. <laughs> I see what you did there, but yeah, I liked um, y'all's uh, y'all's Zeus is is a badass <laughs> in this book. Um, yeah, in, in as much as any of the gods are a POV character for the audience, you know, Zeus is definitely the the uh, the point of view character uh, as much as he as much as he can be. Um, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of the story. Uh, through his eyes as this unfolds. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, as we go, we're going to be fleshing out the rest of the gods as well, but but Zeus will always be kind of um, in the forefront of it. And, sure. and he's obviously the one who's starting to figure out that something's amiss in his reality. Right. And I, I'd, I wanted to, to speak on the, uh, the art styles, um, I like the the distinct styles for each god and and goddess in this and um and and you're right it's such a you know the 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 reality part the while the pages are beautiful um there's definitely a, a more um a more vibrant approach to the reality that they're trying to well, just, you know that 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 they're jacking into with you know yeah, certainly in in terms of the uh, the art style, the the panels, and especially the color palette, yes. we wanted to we wanted to draw some distinct contrast between um, between the two worlds that we're showing. Um, 
and obviously the you know the the world of the gods should be sort of oversized and and uh, <clears throat> you know completely um, uh, you know completely uh, divine again no pun intended right uh, the you know, the the world of the gods should shouldn't look like the world outside your window true <laughs> well I, and that's what I'm saying it 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 definitely was pulled off you know for 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 me at least uh it it was kind of pulled off se- seamlessly you totally understood um reading it that this was definitely a different either reality or plane of existence to what you read in the first opening panel so that definitely um if that was the approach then it definitely paid off i was able to pick up on it you know the first time i read yeah that. i mean that that was certainly that was certainly what we were going for and and thankfully um you know Tom Ranney and uh, our colorist Nanjan Jamberry, um, you know, really t- to me, really knocked the issue out of the park. I just really felt like they they completely grasped what we were going for. And I mean, Tom's a guy I've known for years, um, and he just you know he just crushed the issue as far as I'm concerned. I was gonna say, um, I definitely wanted the artist named on the show i mean i you know i can see it in the credits but i wanted it named on the show just for the compliment of that the the splash page with the hydra um that is amazing that is such a good page right there well it's you know we we really wanted kind of an old school an old school comics approach to um to the issue i you know i feel like that the art in comics has been devalued over the last I don't know, maybe not quite decade, but certainly the last five years where, you know, I don't think the, the artists are valued as much as they were or anywhere near what they should be. Uh, and I, and I think the, 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 the writer and story centric focus of where the industry is right now is, is not really a positive development. Um, you know, said the guy who's been writing comics for 25 years. Right. Um, Comics are visual documents, and if and if you're not doing something in the issue to kind of knock the readers' eyes out of their heads, I, I don't know why you're bothering to do it as a comic. Um, so, so we very much wanted to approach this as, uh, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, it, it's gonna be character based, and it, there's gonna be um, clear storytelling in the issue, but you know, where we can, we're we're gonna squeeze in that, you know that big visual to make you go, you know, Oh, that's, you know, that's something I need to tear out of the book and hang on, hang on my wall. I mean, you know, we all did that as kids. We, you know, pulled double page spreads out and tacked it up on a bulletin board. That's what I wanted that Hydra shot to be. Um, you know, I wanted it to be the sort of, you know, the sort of thing where somebody sees it and just, uh, you know, takes minute, takes minutes to full, to pour over the whole thing. Um, I, you know, I don't think comics should be, you know, should be 10 minute reads because nobody's paying attention to the art. Um, and, and obviously, you know, and obviously Tom didn't cut any corners on, on the issue. And especially on that spread, it's, you know, it's just glorious. Yeah. I mean, it it drew to my eye. Uh, I've read it three or four times through, um, and I always stop and, you know, no smoke up anybody's ass, but I do. I always stop and just admire that that one huge page. Um, 
it, that's it, you know it was that's, great. That's where it's, it's work beautiful. Is. That's you know that's completely um, you know that's it, it takes me uh, uh, you know it, it takes me uh, you know what five minutes to write that page, not even, and then and then. Tom's got to you know work on that spread for about a week to get the damn thing done, and then and then it needs to be colored. So it's uh, you know it, when when you as the writer figure out where you where you've got room for a double page spread and, and you can actually make it work, um, it's uh, you know it's it's easy for me. It's hell on the artists, right? But it, I, I'll tell you what though they 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 nailed it, man. Um, and I mean, there's just so many good single pages for the art. I mean, you know, the the, the story, the, the the dialogue keeps you the the what is really going on. Um, obviously, there's a bigger war coming with the Hades character, but what's going on in the reality that they're watching this from that almost isn't even touched upon. You can just tell it's like a crappy environment to live in. And then you have this vivid world and there's this, you know, all this insinuation of, of a bigger battle to come, but there's like multiple panels that stood out. Um, like when Hades is first reveals himself and he, you know, you know, you have slain my child and he's just sitting there that like, you don't see a lot of that detail, um, anymore, you know, like the, the different ornaments and stuff he has on and, and then uh, the the panel where, you know, Zeus screams, you know, about commanding power without equal, and he did the, just a whole panel is just lit up with this arc lightning and the multiple arms and the like. It's just a it's a cool book, man. <laughs> like, well, it's you know that's a testament to to how Tom and Nanjan are working together too, because, um, you know that like the the panel where the um, with the big special effects and the lightning bolts and all that. Um, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a successful panel because Tom drew something really cool, but then Nanjan came in over top of it and really, you know, really took it to, uh, God, I hate this phrase, you know, took it to the next level. Right. Um, and, and, you know, really pushed it, uh, even farther than we were expecting. Uh, cause you know, he's, he's actually, um, made it so bright and powerful that some of the line work is even starting to disappear. And it's, uh, it's not what we expect, what we expected, but when we got the page, we all went, Oh yeah, that's, that's right. what this needs to look. I love, yeah. It, it, well, what, what I like is, is that is the main page for, you know, for that page, but there's the three panels and none of them are, they're all offset, but it's the different stages of what leads up to that huge action panel there. And it's just like the subtle, like the lightning small in the first small panel, and then it's a little bit bigger, and then it's coming out of his face, and then like the full page you're looking at while you're reading to get to that is like you see it build, and it's almost like a you know it's almost like a cartoon or or almost like a video game, you know when you, when you're fighting a boss and you get to pull off like the super badass power move, and everybody who's watching you play the game like comes up off the couch and's like wow. <laughs> Like I just like the way that whole page was laid out because it was like these, the, the 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 smaller panels with the art building up to this huge payoff on that, and and it really sold it. 
like how powerful well, you know, he is. The reality is, uh, the reality is that you, as the writer, are only as good as the artist that you're working with. Um, you know, this obviously this issue looks completely differently if somebody else draws it. Even if somebody who's really good draws it, it comes out differently. Um, but that's you know, anytime I talk to you know talk to people who want to be comic writers, one of the first bits of of uh, advice that I give is work with the best artist you can work with because your story is always judged by how it looks. Um, and that might not be particularly fair, but it's just the way it is. If you, if you're not, you know, if you, if you don't want your story judged by how it looks, don't, don't write comics, uh, go right. write screenplays or novels or one act plays or whatever. Um, like I said, comics are, you know, comics are visual documents and, the visuals uh, are uh, hugely important, hugely influential in how uh, successful the story is. Um, so, um, so I guess the short version of that is, you know, comic book writers ride the coattails of your artists. <laughs> yeah, but you've laid out a really intriguing story uh, for me. Um, definitely, I, I like the the almost fourth wall realization that Zeus has in the last panel for that issue that you see him in, you know, the last couple dialogue uh, panels that he has where, you know, he picks up that something's not right, you know, and, and, and I don't want to read the dialogue for people who haven't ha gotten to read it yet, but there's definitely almost like a fourth wall realization that something's wrong for how cool their world is, how badass and super powerful they all are, that something's wrong, you know? I, I like that. Uh, well, it's uh, the 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 clash or the meeting of of the two worlds that we see in the story is really what the story is about. Um, it's it's you know the gods realizing that all is not uh, that all is not as they expect, and um, and Carver in particular realizing that maybe the gods aren't as as all powerful and omnipotent as they seem. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, you see, like, the crowd disperse, and he's the only one who stays, you know, at the end of Carver. I mean, even though he's more talking to himself, and, and you can tell that people in the crowd know him, um, and he got, he kind of gets crapped on, uh, if you can tell. He's, he's not held in very much high respect or regard, and, you know, because they're, they're even chiding him as, as they walk away at the end of the issue, and he's the one staying there, like, no, like, there's something... I can do something, you know. Like I, I'm going to do something. I'm I'm going to help somehow. And everybody else no, is no. like, "Yeah, our fix is done." You know, we're, let's go back to let's go back to you know our reality. I like that. Well, there was said, something. Go ahead. There was something very attractive to me about um, uh, about the you know the the one who is seen as the least among us. Yes. Um, you know, here's this guy who's, you know, who's basically uh, in a wheelchair, um, somewhat deformed. Uh, he's obviously the, you know, he's obviously the the uh, the one that the, the rest of the village picks on. Um, so there's something really appealing to me to have that sort of underdog be the one who uh, ultimately feels like he needs to rescue the gods. Yeah, I mean, I, I love so that. Yeah, I love that thread that you put in there. I mean, it, 
really grabbed me, honestly. And I, I wonder, I, I want to touch back on, on what you said about how art seems to seems to have degraded recently. Do, do you think that's because the other mediums have embraced comic books so much that maybe the focus doesn't need to be on that because there's a movie for that character coming out or there's a cartoon series or there's a this or a that. So, you know, the book, it's not as important because people already have in their heads what these characters are because of their cinematic universes or the TV shows or the... Well, I think it's, you know, there there are a lot of different factors in why in why the, the um, why artists are not as celebrated as they they once were, um, and you know we could you know we could do a whole show on on that specifically. But I think you know a couple of the factors briefly are that so many um, so many websites, so many uh, media outlets really don't have much of an idea about art, so they don't talk about it. Right. They don't have the vocabulary to talk about the art. Um, in in comics, uh, because it's you know it's a it's a fairly specialized thing. You know, comic artists to me are absolutely the the best artists working anywhere because they have to be able to draw everything. They have to be able to draw quiet stuff and bombastic stuff, and you know they have to be able to draw um, you know horses in the Battle of Hastings in 1066, and then maybe the next issue they have to draw a giant space armada that they're completely making up from scratch. Um, comic artists are the most well-rounded uh, artists that we have because they can't specialize per se. They have to be able to draw everything. Um, so the the vocabulary isn't there for press coverage to really um, properly write about comic art. Um, it's easier to talk to the writers because they want to, you know, they want to talk about story. It's easy to say you know, here's what happened this issue, what's going to happen in the next issue. It's a lot more difficult to, to sort of um, to, to parse how successful, how successful the art is, what the storytelling is like. Um, so we're in this cycle where, you know, where mostly it's, it's writers getting covered and writing and there's getting, um, getting the credit for story stuff that, that frankly the artists are doing in the book sometimes without, input from the writer at all. Um, and I think that the other factor is that um, I think the, the art is better in comics now than it's ever been, which is kind of an ironic, you know, an ironic reality in that the, you know, the, the artists probably are seen as um, more interchangeable now than they've ever been seen as, but they're doing better the, collectively there's more better artwork in comics than I think ever before. Um, So we're just in this, in this cycle where I think people don't understand art because they don't understand it. They don't appreciate it. Um, And the fact that, that a lot of artists, you know, are, it takes them longer than a month to do the book. One of the reasons is a lot of artists are inking themselves now. Um, So, so artists get shuffled in and in and off, books on a more regular basis so it's so the writer is there every month or in the case of a lot of DC books the writer is there every two weeks the artists change every arc sometimes every two issues because of the schedules the writers are there all the time the artists come and go 
particularly at DC because of the you know every two week shipping, uh, right. it's a lot tougher to to keep up with that schedule. There's you know there's obviously no artist anywhere that can produce a book every two weeks um, because Jack Kirby's not alive anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's so so we're you know so we're uh, we're we're putting artists on stuff and pulling them back off of stuff so that books are seen as more as the property of the writer than the artist. You know, you you don't see a lot of of um, you know writer artist runs on books anymore that are consistent. You don't have a uh, you know Claremont Byrne X Men. You don't have a Wolfman Perez. Uh, Teen Titans, Teen Titans yeah. uh, anymore because the the writers there all the time, the artists keep changing. Uh, you know when you do get that sort of situation, um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. I was going to say yeah, Snyder and Capullo's uh, Batman was yeah. It's a it's a big deal. You know when you can get when you can get a consistent writer artist team on a book over a long term run. People notice. Uh, people respond to it. Uh, so uh, I think it's it's you know I think it would be great if we could do that more often. But there, because of schedules and because of how you know how long the art takes, there aren't that many guys that can produce a book every month. Um, you know, Greg Capullo can do it because he's the workhorse, um, and you know he's superhuman in that respect. John Romita Jr. Same thing. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of somebody uh, doing the book month in and month out, uh, Chris Somney too, um, you know th- there aren't that many there aren't that many artists who are who are there all the time unless it's a creator own book. Um, so you know it's to me we've you know part of it is uh, I guess it's kind of a vicious cycle is that we've we've sort of devalued the art in terms of keeping artists on books regularly, and then we stand back and scratch our heads and say, well, why don't people pay more attention to artists? Um, it's, um, you know, the snake's kind of eating its own tail in some respects. Right. Thank you for answering that, because I've, 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 I've noticed that, too, and um, I've noticed that, that there's some books you pick up and the art is just absolutely gorgeous, and you never hear... Really, anything about that well, that, that aspect uh, of it? You know, I mean. It's, so, thank you for speaking on that. I, I actually have wondered that. You know, I, I fell away from comics for a little while. Um, it was an entire childhood, and then an entire adolescence, and the beginning of my young adulthood. And now, in my mid thirties, I've come back to them, um, pretty hardcore. And yeah, it's it's definitely a different world than I remember. So, well, it's you know. look comics. You know, comics evolve. That's, um, uh, that's I'm okay nature, with that. That's, you know, if it that's didn't. the nature of everything. Yeah. Um, uh, I just wish that we um, that we would do a little more to uh, to elevate the artists uh, in general. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's actually interesting that you know that, that DC is putting a real push behind. Um, making artists a much bigger part of the creator process, a uh, creative process, and a much bigger part of the um, the the press aspect of comics. Um, 
you know, guys like Capullo and John Romita Jr. and the Cuberts, um, Kenneth Rockefort, um, these guys are doing are doing genius work and they should be celebrated. Right. So you you were talking about um, creator owned uh, doing the art and and the writing. Um, I got in in my in in what you sent me. I got a preview for Giant Killers. Yeah. Um, is there more of that coming soon? Because that was really good too. Yeah, <laughs> um, Giant Killers is uh, Giant Mr. Killers Sears, is, right? Is, um, is the Bart Sears book? Yeah. Uh, Bart's going to be writing and drawing that. I'm going to be editing it. Cool. Um, um, and uh, that should be out. Uh, we have a zero issue of Giant Killers. It sort of um, sets the stage, puts some pieces in place that will be out in, uh, I believe, November. And then uh, we're looking at putting the first issue of Giant, the Giant Killers mini out probably in February. Um, we're gonna skip the skip the cold months and uh, so we can so we can bank some pages, and um, that'll be uh, out monthly from Ominous Press and IDW uh, for four issues starting in February. Awesome, because yeah, I mean yeah, it, it was brief, you know, it, it but it was. It was really good. <laughs> I, I really dug that. Um, I mean, every, everything you, you sent me that I got to read uh, got my attention. You, you, you definitely have, have my attention. Um, I, I really look forward to Dread Gods 2 um, when I can get my hands on it at my comic book store. And uh, well, the um, Dread Gods two will be going off to press uh, this week. In fact, uh, when can people pick up uh, issue one? Uh, issue one is is out everywhere. It is and, out. Uh, okay. We, we wanted we wanted um, in the comic shops the week before San Diego um, because the week after the week of San Diego and the week after San Diego um, just kind of uh, you know wreck your psyche uh in the industry uh so we thought well let's let's get this let's get the first issue out so we uh so we don't get stepped on too badly by um by comic-con uh so we got the first one out um in july and then uh next one will be out in a few weeks and you know every four weeks after that until we hit issue four um, so yeah, your your local comic shop should have um, should have Dread Gods one. If they don't, they can reorder. Um, they can also uh, the Ominous Press website is being is being uh, refurbished, even as we speak, and you'll be able to order copies off of that, including signed copies and um, and the you know variant covers by Neil Adams, Kenneth Rockefeller, Tom Ranney. Oh, wow. Um, and um, and it's also on Comicsology. So oh, excellent! It's, yeah, it's it's the it's, the, it's a, a a button click away. Well, there you go. It's a button click away, ladies and gentlemen. And and let me tell you, if if, if you read it, you will get as sucked into it as I did. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to issue two. So, is it has it always been planned as a four issue, or is it? Um, it could be expanded and keep going, or, or is it just a self-contained story? Um, the, it's always been planned as arcs of four issues. So okay, uh, so Tom and I will do uh, four issues of 
Dread Gods. Um, then Bart will do four issues of Giant Killers. Uh, then Andy Smith and I will do four issues of Demigod, which is the third ominous series. Nice. Um, and then we'll swing back around and do another four issues of of uh, Dread Gods. So we, you know, the the intention is to have a book out, uh, at least one book out, almost every month. Um, we might skip a month here or there for to catch up on dead, uh, on deadline, but it's going to be a, a steady supply. But we're going to, you know. Do four issues of one thing, do four issues of the next thing, do four issues of the next thing, and so that we're you know we're always sort of refreshing what we're what we're publishing. Got you. Nice. I like that. I like that. Um, I was going to say, uh, I am. I, I. You. You gave me the the, the issue, um, and I was able to read it. But I did. I was looking up Ominous Press today. And I did see where I could buy a signed cover, so I will be doing that. Um, even though I got to read it, I, I'm I'm one of those those old old guys who need to actually hold their book. Um, <laughs> I, I like to actually have it, and then you know, with, with the option to to get a signed copy, I will be fulfilling yeah, that I'm, order tonight. Actually, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm pretty old. I'm pretty old school in that as well. I like to. Uh, you know, honestly, my, my, my preferred delivery method is, you know, give me a nice big oversized hardcover. I want the, you know, I want the big fat book I can put on my shelf. I'll, I'll, I'll obviously, I've got stacks of, of, you know, single issue comics all over the office here, but, you know, for the stuff that I, the, the stuff that I really dig, I, you know, I want the, I want the permanent package I can put on a shelf so I can, so I can pull it off the shelf and, and page through it for inspiration because, um, you know, this is the job you do every, you know, virtually every day for 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Um, you, you constantly need to, you know, you need to, to feed the machine. You need to have grist for the mill. And all of that generally comes from, um, you know, looking at comics, looking at art books. Uh, you know, I, I guess I, I noticed that today was, uh, National Book Day, or I Love Books Book Day, or something like that. And yeah, thought, well, National Book Day, or something. Yeah, you, you came to the right place because there's way too many to to fit on the shelf. There's there's piles of them all over the room. I uh, I've been told uh, if I buy any more novels, um, and I think I said it on a different episode about buying comics. I, I have been told by my wife if I bring another armload of uh, novels into the house, I'm going to have to build my own house out of them and live in them. Well, that's um, as, so, as you know, it's the same with the hat, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I do, it's bad, like, I go to the, I, I have a Goodwill, like, uh, maybe a five-minute drive from me, and they have a really good book section, and it's it's a couple of dangerous aisles for, for me to walk down and fill my arms up and be like, this is only $10, and, and, and there's the justification, and then I walk with another, I'm not kidding, 20 books. Um, <laughs> into the house, and I get the I, I get the death stare. But I mean, I'm I'm the same well, way. When I, I you know, when I you know you go into a used bookstore or or um, you know Powell's in Portland is this huge rambling used bookstore. Mm. It's got some new stuff too, but it's most used books, and it's just you know I mean it's it's like going on a treasure hunt. Yeah, and um, you know you you go there and. You know, I think every time I've been there, I end up buying stuff that I already own. 
just because, you know, you come across something and it's a cool addition and you go, well, I, I, I can't leave this here for some Philistine to buy. I, you know, I got to take it home. <laughs> right. Sure. You know, well, make sure it has a good home or, or, you know, make or give it to somebody who's going to appreciate it. Yeah, I think I have two or three different versions of The Power of One by um, Bryce McCourtney. And I rebought. Yeah. I, I love that book. That's one of my favorites. But I rebought Fahrenheit 451. Um, just because in the back it had a bunch of essays um, that he had written that weren't just attached to the book. It was some special edition, and it had a bunch of essays of him just ripping uh, ripping apart the society of, of Ray Bradbury's time at that point in his life. And uh, I, I think if, if he had had access to Twitter, um, you, I, and him would have gotten along very well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen you engaged in the past couple of days, and I put in a snarky comment here and there when I see it, but you, you've been having a good time out, out there. Well, you know, I feel like, look, I, you know, I certainly don't go seeking, I, I don't go seeking that stuff. Right. But if, you know, if somebody jumps up in my mentions and says something um, incredibly stupid or... <laughs> Uh, incredibly offensive, um, you know. I feel like, all right. You, well, you, you came, you came looking for it, and <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock you around for a while because it's, it's what you asked for. You know what I love uh, is the uh, ones I've seen responses to you where they're like, "That's no way to treat a fan," and and in my head, I'm like. Like, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not trying to draw you out to talk about it, but like, I, I've seen that written a couple, I, I see people go after, you know, content creators and uh, writers and movie makers and this and that, and they go after them hard. And then when the person responds, they're like, but, but, but I'm a fan. So like, but that makes no sense to me. You don't get to just walk up to somebody, slap them in the face and be like, but I like that one movie you were in. So you just have to take it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm like, a paying I'm a paying customer, so you know you have to take my abuse. Well, that's, no, you know, that's not the way the world works. The the way the world works, I I look at it like you you know you never have an interaction with somebody that, online that you wouldn't have in person. Exactly. And to me, the great equalizer of having these interactions in person is if you say something stupid enough or offensive enough, somebody pokes you in the face. Um, and the online version of that is, you know, you, you know, you get excoriated and, and, you know, staked out on the anthill. Um, if you come <laughs> right. looking for it, per, particu- particularly if if you're a, you know, if you're a jackass troll who's been uh, who's been causing trouble for particularly um, particularly women in the business. Yeah, man, I, you know, if I if I look at your timeline and you've been a you know, and you've been a jack off to other people. I am going to do everything in my power to belittle you and ruin your night um, because you deserve it. Exactly. Exactly. I I am a firm believer in in deserved uh, comeuppance myself. So. Well, you you know you you give what you get, and 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 like you said, most of the time, if you if you give back what uh, what these guys are. Um, if you give back in kind what these guys want to dish out, they all get offended like, oh, yeah, I'm a paying customer. You can't, you know, you can't treat your audience like that. Well, you know, frankly, you're enough of a jackass. I don't want you in my audience. 
Right. Plus, it's also not a Walmart. I, I don't have to be customers always right with you. Yeah, you my, know, you know, the, the my job is... The customer's not always right. Sometimes the customer's an my, asshole. My job is... And, and I, <laughs> I, in fact, I, in fact, said this to somebody online. I said, my job isn't customer service. Uh, if it was, we would be having a different interaction. But unfortunately for you, my <laughs> job isn't customer service. So, you know, grab your ankles. You yeah I'm gonna yeah <laughs> you you you've definitely made me chuckle a couple times over the past couple of days and, and that's why I brought it up because <laughs> you know thank you because sometimes you just need to read something to be like <laughs> yeah that's funny. well and and certainly I mean and and you could you could do that you could do that all day uh, if you if you wanted yeah and some of my you know some of my creative brethren you know to me do it far too often. And go and go seeking it. I mean, ultimately, uh, if somebody comes to my doorstep and and uh, really acts inappropriately, then it's you know then I decide whether they're going to get whacked or not. And and honestly, most of the time I just ignore it because I don't have the time to deal with it. I don't have the time to you know to uh, point out somebody's uh, somebody's being a hypocrite or somebody's being ignorant or just you know, or just playing cruel to somebody else. Um, but, uh, it's, um, to me, it's, it's certainly with, within the, within the bounds of, of, uh, of, you know, of appropriate behavior that if, if, you know, if somebody comes, you know, comes looking for trouble and you give it to them, you're not in the wrong. I, you know, I don't want to hear anything about, about punching down or, or, you know, uh, abusing uh, abusing the privilege of of you know having a bunch of followers. Look, if somebody's a jerk and needs to and and needs to you know have themselves and needs to be rectified, I'm perfectly happy to do that. Exactly, exactly. And it's it it you know I mean it it's just it's it's funny to read because I, I just love the whole you know and and I said it before I just love the whole that the only argument you usually leave them standing with this. But I like your work. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but you're still a type, you know, like, I don't really want you. <laughs> I don't know if I, if that's a compliment. Like, you're yeah. still, a, you're still yeah. kind of a douche canoe. <laughs> like, but, um, let's see what time. Okay, we're going on, we're going on 10 to 10. How are you? Yeah, I, got, I, I got a, I got a couple of minutes and I got to dash out of here for, for ice cream pickup. Okay. So once again, let's. I'm just gonna shut up and, and let you plug everything, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, uh, Dread Gods one on stands now. Uh, Dread Gods two on stands in a few weeks from IDW and Ominous Press. Um, and this is, you know, as I've said before, this is this is the start of a marathon for Ominous. Uh, it's not a sprint, so we'll we'll be here virtually every month for the for the uh, for the long run. So. Uh, stick with us, and then there's uh, there's more stuff coming. I was announced at San Diego as the new writer on uh, uh, Fathom for Aspen Comics. That'll start next year. Uh, we're working on Volume Two of the Protectors from Athleta Comics, um, which is uh, a company I do work for that was uh, founded by uh, former NFL player Israel Adonage. Um So there's a you know, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to get announced in the next. Uh, I don't know next month or two, and then uh, you'll start seeing it uh, in the near future. 
Awesome. Well, thank you again for letting me read uh, Dread God uh, sending it to me and, and let me read the first issue um, with the preview of Giant Killers. Uh, I actually appreciate it more than you know. Um, like I said in, in the first uh, episode we did, I, I've read your stuff since I was a much younger man. And to be able to, to talk to you twice and then actually get to preview one of your books was, uh, you know, all brown-nosing aside, aside for me, it, it was an honor um, to, to get to be able to do that. And, and I enjoyed it. I'm definitely looking forward to um, issue two and looking for more of what Ominous Press has coming down the road. And then, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be buying my signed copy for <laughs> for, for uh, what's on, on the Ominous Press site right now. So, you know, once again, thank you for your time. And you are always Sounds welcome back in. Sounds good, man. We appreciate in. it. And... Uh... We'll definitely stay in touch. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye.